And now live from Keystone, Colorado, at this year's Auto West Gathering, it's Pat Dixon and Ghost Train. That's in the key of M. Okay, here we go. One, two, one, two, three, and... Back on the trail, back on the trail, we don't stop till we get up that hill. Back on the trail, back on the trail, we don't stop till we get up that hill. Back on the trail, back on the trail, we don't stop till we get up that hill. Stop till we get up that hill. We don't stop till we get up that hill. You're tuned to the trail show. Get on the trail! Talking about dirt, mud, blood, and guts. Can nobody fiesta? It's the trail show. Bam! Ah! Featuring Lawton Disco Grinter. What the hell are you two doing, Mike? Felicia P.O.D. Hermosillo. What are you girls doing up here? Mike Dilo DiLorenzo. Yeah! Junaid Special 41. Daoud. I don't think you need to tell a funny pop if you got some of them little brandy on a little nub nub or something or something. And now, broadcasting live from Boulder, Colorado, it's the Trail Show. Coming to you live from the Bobby Walters Studio in Keystone, Colorado. Where it's winter up top. Historic Beer District. This is the Trail Show. We are live at our 2017 Auto West Gathering, ladies and gentlemen. Woohoo! Trail Show is a monthly mashup of all things trail and has been downloaded over half a million times in 150 countries across the globe. We are on air, on demand, and heard worldwide on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and at thetrailshow.com. We've got a bunch of guests to introduce. That's right. I'm going to have to bring in Bob Hope. Bring him in. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a very special guest in studio this month. Straight out of Alaska, she was taping a special across the hall. In studio this month, we have the first woman to traverse Alaska's Arctic Brook Range solo, Kristen Miles for Breakfast Gates. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Um, We're stoked to have you here in Colorado at the gathering. Thanks for coming. We look forward to your keynote presentation tomorrow. Yeah, I'm excited. And we look forward to picking your brain about Greenland. Awesome. And (laughs) who is this? Also taping a special across the hall in studio this month. We have Trail Show 5th Chair and recent Pacific Northwest Trail Thru-Hiker, Liz Snorkel Thomas. Great to be back on the show. Welcome back, Snorks. Welcome back. Was your uh, special one of those, like, uh, Asian YouTube channels where you just eat and eat and eat? (laughs) 
Have you seen those? I, I have. And I I've think thought, you'd be good at it. I've thought about trying to make some extra cash that way. <laughs> We've got a, a few scones on the table, yeah. so maybe we'll I expect we'll everything to be gone by the end of the show. Of course. They will be. Including the knife. <laughs> <laughs> All right, POD, let's set the table and tell folks what we're serving up today. All right, let me just open the cupboards and see what we got in store. We've got uh, scones. all the regular things, you know, trips, tips, updates from Special 41. We've got no beer today because it's uh, uh, it feels weird. 1045 in the morning. And we're at a kid's camp. We're at a kid's yeah. camp, and we some of us at this table have to be responsible at least until about 6 p.m. So, But we're having some coffee. That's brewed, you know. So we won't have beer of the month. Uh, we've got a ton of shout-outs. We're going to have a, a very great trail of the month here, the Greenland Trail. And we've never, ever talked about Greenland, so that should be pretty cool. And we're going to have a conservation interview with some folks from Alaska. And we're going to talk about some trips that we've taken. So all the regular stuff and uh, hopefully a few unexpected shenanigans. So no Mike DiLorenzo's Beer of the Month. No, he's fired. Anyway. He's going to make an appearance tomorrow, I That's heard. what we've heard. I expect him to get drunk and dance around with all the ladies like he did several years ago. I hope so. All the West gathering. All the West will cover his Uber back home. <laughs> that, <laughs> that'd be a hell of a fee. Yeah. That's a long <laughs> Uber snorkel. Although, uh, didn't Mike DeBonis tell us people were taking an Uber yes. from uh, like Bennington or Killington area yeah. all the way to the Canadian border yep. to start the long trail? Yeah. Also an expensive Uber. That's no kidding. Uber expensive. <laughs> 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 okay. So, uh, well, please. Tell those people to shut up. It, it wasn't that funny. I'm it was the kids outside. I'm re- and speaking of the kids outside, you might hear some ambient uh, laughter and maybe some screams. We don't know. We don't know what's it's kids. going on. You never know what you're going to get. They could be laughing one minute and then they're crying the next. We're the bro- joy of youth. We're yeah. broadcasting in a yurt at the Keystone Science School, and there is camp in session as we just had a, a camp photo taken yeah. right outside the yurt. We should have gotten some audio of that. Snorkel's small enough. She could have snuck into the photo. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been funny. But, you know, if there's no food, they already ate. There's no incentive for me to hang out with them. Wow. Wow. That was very loud. Trail news with P.O.D. P.O.D. Go. I guess we're doing trail news. I I wasn't prepared. You weren't prepared? I'm prepared now. Uh, First of all, this is just hot off the press. Uh, There was some rock fall at Yosemite, uh, I think, two days ago. A climber got killed. There were two climbers, and uh, one of them got killed, and one of them got flight for life out, I believe. But um, I don't have all the details. I just saw it on the CNN page there. Okay, let's see. I'm going to start with uh, item number two here. This uh, 15-year-old kid, Reed Kamita, who is doing an intro to backpacking course to become an Eagle, Eagle Scout, actually died while he was hiking uh, from heat stroke. And his parents are involved in a lawsuit with the Boy Scouts. What state? Uh, He was in California. Southern California. Southern California. So the temperatures were around 100 degrees. And so he was in this intro to backpacking course, but then they signed him up at the camp. Not they, his parents, but somehow he got signed up for some uh, hike, two or three day hike. And it was just him, I think two other kids and one 18 year old leader, which is not standard protocol for the Boy Scouts. The Boy Scouts say... Uh, they say that two adults are always required for safety, but there was only one on this trip. And he started to get heat exhaustion, and it, they claimed it was an extremely aggressive hike. Temperatures were near 100 degrees, and um, he died. Oh. So anyway, yeah, That's terrible, horrible. terrible for Ugh. the Boy Scouts. And 
the local chapter, I think, is being very supportive. The one that he was involved in with the parents. They're trying to be as supportive as possible, even though they're part of the umbrella deal there. So that's pretty unfortunate for the Boy Scouts, too. I mean, for that family, of course. But Uplifting note, uh, here right in Colorado, there's a, uh, a dog that was lost for six weeks. I can't believe this story. <clears throat> I almost feel like... I almost feel like it can't be true. No, it's true. I saw the pictures of the dog. Okay. This dog was lost for six weeks on top of Mount Bross. So some people went out hiking. The dog ran off. They, they couldn't find the dog. They looked and looked and looked. And then eventually they left. That you know They went home, and I think they kept coming back looking for the dog. They put a post on a, a local 14ers Facebook group, and people had been looking. Every time someone went up there, they were looking for the dog. And then six weeks later... Um, Someone saw, heard a dog crying when they were on top of the peak, and that definitely sounded like a dog cry. So they went looking for it. They couldn't find it. They came back um, the next day and found it, and it was pr- pretty much too weak to move. It was in a gully. It was in like a rock chute, and this girl climbed up to get the dog, and she managed to get the dog in her lap, and then she just kind of shimmied down the rock chute, and then her boyfriend or husband, whatever, uh, they helped carry the dog to the car and reunited it with the owners but the dog had lost 26 pounds it was originally like 80 pounds wow and lost 26 pounds so that's no no it, it was originally 80 pounds 80 and, pounds and it went down to 26 pounds no it had lost 26 pounds are you sure about that because yes. that's what i found so it said hard it to was believe. down 26 pounds okay that's better because yes. i swear i no. thought i read it but lost still 80 pounds, pounds if you lose 26 pounds that's over 25 percent of your body weight yeah so you know that's pretty rough but anyway he's still recovering but pretty awesome story that he was found remember back in 06 um when our friend sidewinder finished his hike they they randomly found a dog on the 513ers right near bertha pass and they i don't know they they like got it to follow them and then they partially carried it to bertha pass yeah and it had been missing like what three four weeks yeah and they called the, the number, the number on the tag. and the and the owner showed up and they were just like, oh, we're so happy to see the dog. And it's like, how has your dog been missing for four <laughs> weeks? And he's been hanging out on the five. Well, the thing is, is that if you go hiking with your dog and your dog runs off, it's pretty easy to be like, well, they should have this or they should have that. But if your dog goes running off after something and you can't see it anymore, your expectation is that the dog is going to come back because 99 percent of the time that's what they do. Yeah. But if they get injured while they're running or they get distracted and can't find their way back or something like that happens, it's pretty impossible to find an animal, you know? And then once the dog's been lost for a while, you know, it's wandering around and it's like being homeless, you know? You you start to get the kind of like the darkies and hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that happens that I think I can totally see if you lose your dog on a big peak like that. You know, you you have to leave at some point. If you're not set up for camping, you can't just stay up there on the top of the mountain. It's too cold, you know. And Kristen, have you ever lost a dog in Alaska? Um, I have got had a dog go loose uh, while dog mushing. Okay. Um, I, one memory that comes to mind: I was working for this Iditarod racer down in Willow, and uh, I was running a team. He was running a team, and we had left at different times. We're running different trails, and happened to meet going the opposite direction and our teams got super tangled hmm. and uh my boss goes out in front and starts unclipping dogs and uh one we the dogs are usually connected to the gang line with two clips 
Okay. Um, and he took off both by accident to one of my leaders, and the leader just went running, running down the trail um, and oh. ended up having another dog single lead back to camp. Um, and, but when I got back, the, that dog, Nitro, he was just sitting, hanging out in his house. So <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> so, I mean, what, this is a, a side tangent, but is it a problem when your lead dog is no longer there to lead? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay. um, but luckily, a lot of the dogs on the team could run in, in lead, and we okay. just rotate them around. So I had he, he was running um, up in lead with another dog, so that dog just took us back to camp, and it was fine. I was worried about him, but all I ended would, up okay. I would think that, that mushing dogs, too, are di- it's, the, it's a different breed, not just to use that expression, but it's a different situation where you know i I, fe- I don't really know anything about mushing but this is my perception that those those types of dogs are they're so highly trained and instinctual that i wouldn't think that they would go very far you know i don't know if you've had other people that have had experience where they just disappeared but does that happen to people that you know of N- no um i think the sled dogs they know <laughs> where they get fed and who takes yeah. care of them so they just kind of want to be hanging out around yeah their camp. lives are pretty pretty uh I feel like they're, they're they're living on razor thin margins. Those dogs, you know, and so, yeah, like they're always going to come back. Food. Whereas, like a house dog, like here, you know, you live in the city, you would do a fortune. Their lives are pretty comfortable, and but they run off. They're not like, oh, <laughs> where's my? Oh no, where's the dog bowl? You know, I don't know. But some dogs have those tendencies yeah, to just for sure run. Yeah, and some and, don't. And the thing is, you know, Gimpy, he got better and better over time. But he did that a couple of times. He just heard something and ran off and you can't, it doesn't matter how loudly you yell, when they get in that mode, they cannot hear you. You All made his life too easy, beauty. Yeah. They're just singularly focused on like the thing that they're after. You know? On catching the deer that they'll never catch? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So for item number two, or the, the, the last trail item, or trail news item here, I'm actually going to... I'm whacking the two. Thank you. I'm actually going to read one of the letters from Mailbag because it what? ties in. Dilo would not I know. approve of this. He'd be out of his Mixing mind. Mixing segments? Are you yep. kidding me? He'd be throwing his mic stand down and running out the room. Okay. It right. says, hey, Pod, uh, we don't know each other except for being linked by the trail community. So hopefully you don't find it weird that I think you'd be interested to hear about this jogger in Colorado Springs that is dropping deuces on people's yards. I just started listening to the trail show on advice from a recent triple crowner. Triple, triple crowner. Hmm. There aren't too many of those. Uh, Mowgli. I don't know Mowgli. Do you know Mowgli? I don't know Mowgli. Hmm. One of the first shows I listened to you told a story about having to go, with the pu- go to the public restrooms that were locked after a long run. I've been there too. Just haven't taken it to the criminal, criminal level like this lady. You got a lot of people that sent you this yeah. story. Why do you think that is? Well, that letter is from Tough Broad. And I told a story a long time ago about how I did take a giant dump outside a public restroom in a park that was completely open to the, like there was no cover whatsoever because I just done a 20 mile run. I was at the end. I went to the bathroom and it was locked for the season and it was not cold enough for it to be locked for the season. And I just couldn't hold it in any longer. So I just took a dump right next to the bathroom. Well, they're betting on the fact that and pe- I, people I, don't have to use the bathroom after Labor Day. I know. It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> because, you know, and I think I've probably shared a few other like oops stories that I've had. But um, I, I got a lot of emails, not just from Tough Broad, but from friends uh, on Instagram. <laughs> People t- posted the story and then tagged me in it. Did Snorkel send it to you? No, I don't think so. Did you send it to me? 
No, but no. I was on trail. I wasn't. Yeah, okay, I knew okay. that it existed. And you know, when I heard about the the what do they call her? The phantom, the, the mad, mad pooper. pooper. Mad pooper. When I heard about that, you know, the, I was on the PNT. There's a lot of road walking, and I was thinking, you know, if I have to go, I'm not going to think twice. Sorry, private property. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that this lady was like in. Uh, what do you call it? Like in, subdivision. In a suburb of Colorado yeah, Springs. Yeah, suburb of Colorado Springs. And there are public rest- restrooms less than a block of away from the place. And she was Ooh. continually pooping in the same person's yard. Front every yard. time. Front yard. <laughs> that, I could think of a few people I, I but why, might be inclined to do that to. Why did they keep sending you the article, Petey? Why didn't anyone send me that article? People, well, first why of all, there were people that you? were insinuating that I was the mad pooper. What? No, Colorado Springs is way too far. Way too far. Way too far, and I really don't go there. And <laughs> and I saw pictures of the jogger. Someone said she looked like me. Oh. But she looked scandalous. like she's got a bigger lot better handle on her eating habits than I do. I'll <laughs> just say that. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe she needs to cut back on Maybe the fiber. Maybe she's taking laxatives. Anyway, I don't know. I, I just saw a blurry image of her, but it was not me. It's not me that's taking a poop in, in yards, but this lady was, and the people who reported her actually got video of her doing it to um, give to the police. She has been arrested. Is that on YouTube? Can she, we really watch a video? She was caught? She was caught. No. Yeah, the uh, the um, the family took some video of her. The, the police asked her to. When she called to complain, they're like, can you get some pictures and video of oh. her pooping? Oh, man. And then they'll probably do a DNA sample. I don't know. And then uh, in, in response to this, Charmin has offered a year supply of toilet paper to the mad pooper. What about? No. That's some good toilet paper there. The I think pooper. I'm going to start mad pooping myself. If anything, the family should get the TP. Like, you yeah, that's true. Don't, you don't give the mad pooper well, they do anything. It. Yeah, you're, you're right. They shouldn't be offering her no. anything. Just creates incentives for people like me. They should give her a year's supply of wag bags. Maybe that's a better uh, solution. Or, or maybe they should show her where that public restroom <laughs> is located so that she can easily find it. Or maybe they should Next give time. out her address and allow people to just go defecate in her yard. Did the mad pooper make a statement when she was arrested? I don't know. You know, as an urban hiker, I really appreciate that the mad pooper has gone out and is pooping on people's yards because it started this conversation about the lack of uh, restroom infrastructure in places where people run but No, there was a There's restroom one. a block away. Was snorkel. it locked? Yes. No, did we confirm whether it was locked? Yeah, P.O.D. Was it locked? I don't think so. Did she make a statement? No, but Sherman did say that they're offering her the toilet paper to, quote, help her with her runs. (laughs) Anyway, um, I think that's all the news I have. Oh, my gosh. That's it. And there she goes, out the door. P.O.D. She's in the camp photo now. It's crazy. I'm actually just going to go take a poop right in the middle of the camp photo. Uh Uh-oh, we got kids coming back in. Get ready for some good audio. All right, so we're going to actually go ahead and do our conservation interview instead of our Trail of the Month first. because Dilo's freaking out. I know. We're calling Alaska, and um, there's some scheduling. It's a Friday. Anyway, so we want to accommodate these these folks at the Brooks Range Council. So we're going to be calling John Gadiki. I think we think that's how to pronounce his last name. We'll check with him. So let's give him a call. All right, calling John. We might even play a prank on him. I think we will. Hello, hello. Hi, John. This is the Princess of Darkness, Disco Snorkel, and Kristen Gates from The Trail Show. How are you today? Very good. It's good to hear from you guys. Uh, Before we get into our conservation interview, can you uh, tell us exactly how to pronounce your last name? 
Gated key. Gated key. Okay. Very good. I was close. I think Kristen had it right, but then I couldn't repeat it. Well, thanks for agreeing to come on the trail show this month to talk about the Brooks Range Council. We're excited to have representatives from Alaska. We haven't featured any conservation groups from that state yet. So to get started, why don't you just give us a kind of a overview of, of what the Brooks Range Council is and kind of how you guys got started and just generally what you guys are working on. Sure. The um, Brooks Range Council started in about 2012 when we saw that the state of Alaska was moving towards um, this crazy road proposal to go across um, the Brooks Range and reach a mineral belt that's been kind of eyeballed since about the 1960s. Mm. And consistently in Alaska, there is no um, editing of projects. So um, no one ever says, hey, wait a second, is this feasible? And that's kind of how the Brooks Range Council started is to say, not only we don't believe that this is feasible from the get-go, it seems quite obvious, but then there's a lot of people in the path of this road proposal that need to have a voice and need to need to be at the table when this starts to get discussed. And so that's how it came about. And I kind of ended up as chairman because um, my folks started a wilderness lodge uh, in the 1970s that would be right in the path of the road about midway towards the, the mineral belt that they're interested in. You're saying that in Alaska, if somebody proposes a road that goes across public lands, there's no, there's no public commentary process for that? There is. I mean, oh, there okay. is a, a, there is an EIS process, but there is okay. very little done in terms of um, looking after the money. So the legislature will, will say, hey, let's throw $20 million at this or $100 million. With that road proposal, I'm curious, are there folks along that road that would be in favor because they think that it would bring revenue to their, oh, their outpost or whatever? Yeah. Yes, there are um, there are people for and against the road, like any kind of development. Right. But then it's also really hard to to say is that argument based on facts. Right. Of and, course. You know, of course, people proponents of the development are going to to try to make it sound like the sweetest deal possible, and uh, it's really tough when there isn't anyone else there to kind of vet the project and say what are the checks and balances here. If all you see are developers, and and um, you know, proponents of development at the table coming into your village to say why it should happen. And can you speak to the environmental impacts of what the what would happen with that road? And and also, I'm curious about the Brooks Range as a whole. My assumption is that there isn't any road there. So, what is that distance that is like roadless that would be that would now have a road? Well, the Brooks Range itself runs kind of east-west and for about seven, 800 miles. And so there is one road that crosses it right now, but it runs north-south. So it, it crosses kind of a small area paralleling the, the Trans-Alaska Pipeline. And there isn't anything that runs the length of the road, of the, the Brooks Range itself. It's been proposed, but um, it's, it's really rugged country and it, and it has a lot of wetlands, hundreds of rivers and lakes to cross. And then underneath all that is permafrost. So the more you mess with the country the more it, it kind of falls apart. And so that's the other thing is there really hasn't been much in the way of studies done to see what an impact of an east-west um, corridor would be like. We, we've kind of, we kind of see what's happened with north-south, and it's already involved um, federal emergency funds because during breakup and during huge ice events, the roads just disappear. And oh, wow. so without federal funding and assistance, the likelihood of this road being able to even stay afloat is pretty small, and, and in this particular case, it would be it would be a state-funded road, so it would be completely 
on the state of Alaska, uh, which is had, okay. it's already having financial issues. How long would this proposed road be going east-west along the range? The, the whole 700, 800 miles? No, this initial proposal is about 220 miles, but then ideally for the developers, it would continue to you know, meet up with a, this, this great kind of chain of pearls that they have that would be you know, one road after another is kind of the big picture. Hey, John, this is Disco. Quick question for you. I'm, I'm curious, how long has the Brook Range Council been in existence, and are you all working on any other projects uh, that aren't this road issue? We formed in about 2012, and we are, you know, really working to reach out to the villages and um, kind of talk to them about this this issue. So it's this is kind of the overwhelming thing right now, but the there are also kind of things that happen in between um, potlatches, gatherings. Um, there's there are youth councils that get together and go out on the different rivers, and so you know we would like to involve ourselves more and more. Um, from kind of a more of a good news perspective. Um, it's just that this is pretty overwhelming right now. For sure. And do you guys partner with any other outdoor groups or conservation um, agencies in the state? Well, I'm, I'm not sure if you call it a partnership exactly. I mean, we've, we've definitely been um, talking with um, filmmakers, um, different oh. uh, gear companies, you know, people that are interested in, um, kind of putting with their money where their mouth is, but companies like Patagonia that say, you know, hey, of these course. are these are important issues. They'll, they'll write articles and and help spread the word. And then local organizations um, like the Northern Center for Banks and then the Wilderness Society and the National Parks Conservation Association, they're all bird dogging this issue and trying to hold federal and state agencies accountable. But it's you know it's the wild west out here, and um, there's very little accountability. And when you know people see dollar signs, things get crazy. Hey, John, I'm curious, can people see your websites, brooksrange.org? Can people donate or join the Brooks Range Council if they're inclined? They absolutely can. That's just a click away. Um, there's PayPal on there to donate. Uh, we also have a, a petition on there that's uh, just broke 97,000 signatures. So it's it's kind of cool to have just about more people signed on to this than are, you know, in, in my hometown. And, and we're, you know, we're seeing people from all over the world because really these, these mining issues, it's one thing to, to damage the environment with, with a road or the intrusion of a mine. But then when you extrapolate what those resources are going to do to the environment in terms of just moving them, I mean, most of this ore would probably be processed in Asia somewhere. So you have to transport all this raw material so far away. I mean, the, the carbon footprint is absolutely staggering beyond just, you know, the 220-mile road proposal. And and where do you guys get most of your funding? Is it donation-based? Do you get any from the state or federal level? No, this is all grass as grassroots as it gets. Um, we've had a few grants come through from um, different um, mining activist groups, but for the most part, you know, it's all volunteer and it's and it's going to meetings. I mean, that's a big part of this yeah. is is um, going down to the legislature in Juneau, going to to meetings by the state, and and being there when they are, um, you know, cherry picking all the the good parts of these potentials. Right. You know, that story reminds me a little bit about uh, the founding of the the Wilderness Society, and and many hikers might not know that it was created because of Skyline Drive in Shenandoah. Um, okay. So Bob Marshall, Benton McKay, a lot of those early powerhouse conservationists were against that road. So, you know, 
Not that this is the Appalachian Trail going across the Brooks Range, but right. if, if you enjoy walking across that road 70-something times on the AT, yeah, I don't think anyone does. That's the worst. And I, I think, it, you know, hopefully, um, hopefully folks realize that even if you have never been to Alaska, which I would be willing to bet most people have not, most people will not go to Alaska. Uh, but as one of my most favorite authors, Barbara Kingsolver, used to say about Alaska specifically in Anwar, there is some security in knowing that these wild places exist without roads, right. without man's development fingerprint on them. And so hopefully uh, our listeners can also get involved and sign the petition and perhaps become members. And, and you know, these days it's easy to become a member and then you can get involved via the internet you don't live in alaska you can't go to these meetings but you can chime in when they need social media blast or sign this petition electronically electronically or whatever and hopefully our listeners can recognize that even though alaska seems like such a faraway place uh that it's it's it is one of the last i feel like one of the last holdouts of huge wilderness areas that are so also so fragile and uh worth protecting and hopefully you get a trail show bump and you get that extra 3000 and make it to 100000 <laughs> For sure. I, I mean, that, I think of it quite a bit like great. wildlife as well. You know, I might never see a jaguar in the wild, but it's kind of cool knowing they're out there. Yeah. And a caribou. Yeah. I'm hoping to see a caribou. <laughs> go to Alaska. For sure. Yeah. Hey, that's, hey, John. Yeah, we, is, we have I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. We, that's the thing about this area is that it's not like we're trying to reintroduce caribou that have killed off or salmon that have all died. It's a very functioning, very wild place. And so we, we don't have to fix it. We just have to not screw it up. It's, it's like the easiest conservation you can do. And um, right. that, I think that's the beauty of it. Hey, John, is there anything else about the Brooks Range Council uh, that you want to get out there work you're doing, anything coming up um, that we haven't asked you about today on the show? I, I guess um, I'd say the main thing is for you know people to get involved, um, sign on, and, and keep an eye on this issue. Um, I crawl all over the Brooks Range and send pictures from there all the time. So at the very least, you're going to get a feed that shows you a really cool part of the world. You won't even have to get frostbite to see lots of my 40 below pictures and Aurora and stuff <laughs> happening across the Brooks Range. So awesome. it works out for everybody. All right. Thanks so much for uh, making the time to come on with us today. And, and we're hoping that some folks will get involved and perhaps donate as well and help protect these wild places. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me and thanks for getting the word out. You bet, John. Thanks. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, John Gadicki from the Brooks Range Council, Executive Director. It's brooksrange.org. Check out their website. Sign that petition. If yeah, let's so get him to a hundred thousand. Yeah, signing let's petitions the is free. Bump. Yeah. I, I know hikers are pretty cheap, but signing petitions is free, <laughs> fitty free. Trail show bump, people. That's right. And and uh, special thanks to Kristen for recommending this uh, this group. I yeah. reached out to her about a month ago and asked if there was any particular conservation group that she was passionate about, and she mentioned the Brooks Range Council. And obviously, you've spent a lot of time there, so you it makes sense that you would be passionate about that as well. So thanks for giving us that contact. Yeah, thank you guys for, for calling him and bringing him on the, on the show. You yeah. bet. All right, we've got to go to break. When we come back, we've got Trail of the Month with Kristen Gates. Don't go anywhere.
This is Trauma, and I've never listened to the trail show. Thanks, Trauma. All right, let's get into Trail of the Month. We've got the Arctic Circle Trail, which is in Greenland, and we've got Kristen Gates here who just hiked the Arctic Circle Trail. So, Who else would hike it besides her? Buck 30. Maybe. Maybe. Too gold for him. Yeah. yeah. This trail wasn't on my radar at all. I've never actually heard of it. So give us a brief overview. Where is it? How long is it? Where does it start and finish? And how do you get there? Yeah. Um, so the Arctic Circle Trail, it's in western, kind of southern western Greenland. It uh, stretches from Kangaroo Swack, um, which is an air base on the, it's kind of up a fjord, um, a little bit inland, right by the ice cap. And it stretches out to, the trail goes out to Sisimut is where it ends, out on the coast by the Davis Strait. And it was built, it takes advantage of the largest ice-free section of Greenland because 85% of the the country is covered by the ice cap. So it's just taking advantage of this ice-free section. Um, It's about, it's uh, the official trail is about 102 miles long. Okay. But you can start at the ice cap. There's a road that goes out there. So a lot of people do that little extension and that makes it about 125 miles long. Oh, so you get to add a little road walking in there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Although I'm sure the road is... It's scenic is, road walking, though, yeah. and it's um, more like an ATV track than okay. A, okay. a road. In the trail itself, is it single track trail, or is it more like cross-country sort of walking? It's a mix of both. Um, the trail, okay. it's not... It's definitely not like the AT mark. There are blazes that you'll see now and then. It kind of peters out here and there, so you need to have a general idea of where you're heading, but the country's really open. There are no trees so you can just kind of always see where you're going. Whoa. In the words of a PCT hiker I met this summer, how many miles per day can you do on the trail? Uh, well, at the, the last day of the trip, I ran into um, a long-distance runner who had done it in two days. Wow. Um, I had a week of time, so I took a week. Okay. Uh, but you can definitely do it faster or slower. Um, I met a, a, pe- a group of people out who are out there for two weeks. And uh, the only resupply points, though, are at the start and at the end. There's a grocery store in both Kangaroo Swack and Sisimute. Hmm. Um, so that's good. And wh- well, what's the weather like? The the like you just went in September or end of August. I went in July. Oh, you okay. went July and okay. August. Yeah. So what's the weather like? I was shocked by the weather. I was prepared for kind of cold, windy, blustery weather, and it was maybe 75, 80 Whoa. degrees during the day. Oh. Uh, I was will not, not work for BOD. <laughs> Sorry, no, the Arctic okay. is okay. too hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the night. The really nice thing, though, I was like suffering from heat, stro- heat stroke half the time. But there are uh, lakes all over the place, and the swimming is fantastic. I'm kind of a picky swimmer, um, but all the lakes were like had nice gravelly bottoms. Oh. They were clear, so you could just pretty much anywhere um, hop in and cool off. And wow. were there were there bugs there? The mosquitoes, I guess it can, I heard a lot of things about the mosquitoes before I went, and I think it can be quite bad. Um, I heard they usually die off in mid-August, so they're usually a bit better after mid-August. I was there end of July, um, early August, and didn't really notice the bugs. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Um, but I think they can get get pretty bad. What's the natural water situation along the trail? Like, is it... Uh I, for some reason, I picture the Upper Peninsula of Michigan where all the water has tannins in it, and it's kind of brown. Yeah, there was clean, clear, good water. Oh, I never okay. needed to worry about water sources. I could just, you know, 
Uh, I'd fill up. I had like a little liter bottle with me. I'd just fill it up when I was thirsty and uh, didn't even have to pay attention to water sources. So that was really nice. Oh, cool. And what about getting to Greenland and to the army base or whatever, and then also getting to that northern terminus? What's the logistics there? Yeah. And getting back from that northern terminus yeah, <laughs> without yo-yo in the hmm. thing. Yeah, that was the tricky, tricky part. And I was really lucky. I was working on a project um, on a ship that ended in Kangarlooswak. Um, ah, so I just okay. kind of ended up there. And uh, in order to, to fly there, um, you can either fly through Iceland or uh, through Copenhagen. Mm. And uh, yeah, getting and getting back from Sissamute, there are daily planes over to Kangarlooswak. Okay. So from, what was the name of the Northern Terminus? Yeah. So it's um, it go the trail. I hiked it east to west. Oh, east it west. starts um, at Kangarooswak and it ends in Sissamute, is where I ended. So from Sissamute to Kangarooswak, there's daily flights. Is that what you said? Yeah, Did you say it right. <laughs> the Kangarooswak. Yeah. I'm just going to call it Kangarooswak because <laughs> that's easy to remember. <laughs> okay, so did you did you you went toward you went towards Kangarooswak? I um, <laughs> went to Sissamute and then flew back to Kangarooswak. Oh, okay. Uh, where there's a airport um yeah. a big airport and well the airport itself wasn't big but they have a big runway yeah uh, so you, th- yeah they have large planes and heading did out you, to Aceland. did you feel like that was a good direction to hike or would is there any advantage to going one direction or the other um i think there are advantages to both and uh if you want i think the ending at the ice cap might be kind yeah, of cool Yeah, that's true um mm. yeah but I, I was glad I hiked it east to west because Kangarooswak, the community, it's a community of about 500 people. And it wasn't, um, it didn't seem like Greenland. It didn't seem like a Greenlandic community. And Sissamute just was this authentic, awesome community to end at. And there's a great bakery there too, which was oh. nice to have <laughs> So a couple of questions about that. When you say that you hike to the ice cap, so when you get to this place, can you see all the ice? Yes. Yeah. And the road goes past Russell Glacier. Um, It's really scenic. Yeah. And then when you say a traditional community, what what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, The Kangarooswak had a lot of um, people working. Like it was a lot of just a transient population. Mm -hmm. People who come to work there for a summer. It was like a tourist town. Okay. And uh, Sissamute, there were permanent residents there. um, Who lived there year round and lived there for their whole life. And what does that look like? Like I'm just trying to imagine what, what a... A small, you know, traditional permanent resident town looks like in, in Greenland. Yeah, they're actually really scenic. Um, it's it, There's a lot of European influence. Mm-hmm. Um, the homes are painted really bright colors. Bright colors. It's yeah, right, what I was imagining. Yeah, right on the water. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really scenic, bright colors. What, what do you think the winter's like there? The winters, uh, I heard, I ta- spent some time with a dog musher there, and it sounds like the winters are a little warmer than they used to be back in the 80s, back in the oh, 90s. Go figure. They'll have a H- bunch of weeks <laughs> where yeah. it's uh, 30 below. It used to be, you know, 40 below, 50 below for a couple of weeks, but now they're seeing a couple of weeks where it's 30 below. So the winters are cold. Um, they're darker. But uh, there are a lot of dog mushers in town, so I think people really enjoy the winters and they have a ski race there that follows the Arctic Circle Trail too. So I oh, think people I was, are really yeah, getting Yeah, I was wondering if people oh, do wow. that in the winter. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, That's so I think cool. it's traveled a lot by dog team too in the winter. So it sounds like people are outside a lot. Do you think you'll go back and do it with the dog team now that you've done it in the summer? <laughs> Maybe. I would like to go back there 
in the winter. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> hey, could you talk to us about wildlife? Um, I'm curious what wildlife you saw and maybe what wildlife you didn't see, but you had heard was in the area. Yeah, so one really nice thing about the Arctic Circle Trail is that it's not in polar bear range. Um, oh, so you don't good. have to worry about I, I polar bears. I about this in the car. I was <laughs> like, this sounds like an awesome trip. Okay, what about the polar bears? Wow, yeah. I did not, that did not even cross my mind. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's nice. Um, on the Arctic Circle Trail, you can see, I saw lots of caribou. Um, you can also see musk oxen. I, I saw a couple oh, wow. at the very beginning, but didn't see them much for the rest of the hike. Um, Arctic fox, Arctic hare. Okay, musk ox, that's different. Arctic <laughs> fox, <laughs> is the Arctic fox white? Silver? Um, the one I saw was black. Oh, whoa! Hmm. They might like turn a lot of the. I'm not sure what it's like. In disadvantage. <laughs> well, they might turn white in the winter. Yeah. I'm not sure how. Like snowshoe hair, gray or something. Snowshoe hair is put on a brown coat in the summer and then go white in the winter. So it might be something like that. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask a tangent question, just because you brought up polar bears. Where you live in Alaska right now? Like, are there polar bears there? No. Um, I live in the Brooks Range, and I'm inland. In the central southern Brooks okay. Range, so we we don't we have black bear and grizzly bear, but no polar bears. Have you ever been hiking slash mushing adventuring in a place where there's polar bears? Yes, but I haven't seen them. Okay, um, but, but you've been in their, I've been, in their yeah. habitat. Yeah, I've seen them from the safety of a ship once. <laughs> oh okay. wow, that's. Have you seen polar bear poop? How big is it? <laughs> oh, I as actually big as haven't. Your head. <laughs> you haven't seen it. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Oh, my God. I'm just curious, like, um, do you have, and you might not know this, but do you have any idea how much a flight from Copenhagen to Greenland or from Iceland to Greenland would run? I'm wondering if it's a cheaper than normal flight or if it's crazy No, expensive. it's pretty expensive. Okay. I don't remember the exact price. I actually tried to look it up online last night thinking that question might come up, but yeah. uh, it said no no, they didn't no flights <laughs> turn available. up any results. <laughs> There's yeah, no amount of money expensive. that can purchase this flight. It's not available right yeah. now. So uh, this would be an expensive hike to go do if you're living in the lower 48 because you would have to fly to Iceland or Copenhagen first. We could go hang out with Rune. Yes. And, and then fly. But so we'd have to save up a heck of a lot uh, of money. But I, I think the idea for this type of trail, I mean, you were already there with work. So I think yeah. the idea is that most of us aren't going to be there with work already, but maybe you can incorporate it, incorporate it into a larger adventure. I mean, you could go to Copenhagen. You could do the, the Kingsladen or whatever it's called. That's up in Norway, Sweden. <laughs> okay. Area. Well, you but could do some stuff in, in Scandinavia. Away. Sure. You know, you could spend a summer hiking around there, and then you could hop over yeah, to there. And, and I actually met a thru-hiker on the trail um, who had spent a month in Iceland uh, exploring Iceland, hiking in Iceland, and then hopped over to yeah. Greenland to do this trail. So, so yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of options to make it. Are there know. are there any structures, shelters, cabins, anything along the trail that you could overnight in? Yes, there's a hut system along the trail. Really? Um, there are huts every maybe 10 to 15 miles usually. Wow. And are you okay. required to stay in the huts as some European trails? No, yeah. you can camp wherever you want. Yes. Is that what you did? Yeah. Um, one of... The problems the Arctic Circle Trail has it. It's actually being peop- about a thousand, over a thousand people are hiking it. Everybody, what? All from Europe, probably. Really? Um, yeah, That's and they don't have uh, outhouses at the huts. Ew! Ew! Oh ew, my ew, god! Ew. Oh no! All right. It's like a landmine. It's pretty bad, um, and people don't pack out their toilet paper, unfortunately. Oh. So. We get usually oh, avoid no. the huts. Tell them to listen to, to the Ew. last episode of the trail That's show. That's disgusting. So, uh, 
I'm curious uh, why no why no outhouses? Why do you have any idea why? Yeah, I think. Um, well, I know in Alaska the permafrost is an issue, so sure. there you know you you can't uh, throw toilet paper into an outhouse. So maybe they were trying to deal with that issue. There are privies in some of the huts, um, okay. and you have to and they just have plastic bags that you'd stick in the privy and then you'd leave there. And I guess a helicopter comes in at the end of the season and picks them up. But, um, wow. It's the, the facilities are being misused, unfortunately. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's different. What else snorkel? What else about the Arctic circle trail that we haven't asked that we should? Uh, I'm a little curious about the elevation gain. Are we looking at like hand over hand rocks? Or are we looking at like pretty flat for the whole time? Yeah. Can I bring my mom on this? <laughs> It's a pretty relaxed trail. Um, the hi- I think it, there's a it goes over the highest point might be around thirteen hundred feet. There's an opportunity to climb a mountain that's around two thousand six hundred feet. Not not a huge elevation gain anywhere. Not big climbs, but just kind of chill. Really nice scenery. I was super impressed by the scenery. I felt like I was walking through a treeless Yosemite Valley. Some of the times it was just huh. stunning. Whoa, what's that's pretty neat? What's the language? Main language spoken in Greenland. Good question. Um, Greenlandic. Okay, so it's its own thing. Is it like Icelandic? Or is it like it Russian? It might be related. It's similar to Inuktitut right. um, in Canada. <laughs> well, it's a good thing I know that language. <laughs> huh. Uh, What's so that similar to? You Nothing? <laughs> in Alaska. Yeah. So oh, okay. did you speak English there and we're totally okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people... Um, speak English, so it was fine getting, especially in Kangarlooswak, everyone spoke English. Um, in Sissimut, not so much, but um, it didn't end up being an issue at all. See, I, I really think they should go with Kangarooswak. They can have some great t-shirts <laughs> there, you know? Is it possible to get a beer at the start or finish of the hike? Yes. Okay. It, now, Iceland has this horrible reputation for, you know, having the most expensive beer on the planet. Do you recall if beer is like nine bucks a pint in Greenland also, or if it was uh, a little more reasonable? Excellent question. Um, yeah, every, everything there is a bit more expensive sure. since it's come from so far. I don't remember the exact prices, but things were pretty expensive. Hmm. So and if you if you do head over there, it's a good idea to bring trail all of food, your food and it, yeah. And what's the currency? Um, it's the Danish. Okay. Okay, so they use the Danish currency. Yeah, and huh. in most places, you could use a credit card. Okay. Wow. I'm, I'm never, I feel like a, a little kid, like I've never really even thought, given much thought to Greenland, but now I am. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like if we were ever in Europe, you know, especially if we were up. Yeah, because the, we have a friend in Copenhagen who I I'm, I'm yeah. hope at some point we'll go and visit. Yeah. If he ever stops smoking, we'll and go visit him. No. Um, <laughs> Then, uh, and he, then he stopped just, recently. Yeah, we'll see if it sticks. He switched over to weed instead of smoking like <laughs> a pack of cigarettes a day. He's just smoking all day long weed. He's smoking chillums. <laughs> uh, good luck with that. Yeah. Anyway, so save your money if you want to go hike the Arctic Circle Trail. It's going to cost you a lot to get there. Although sometimes you can find ninety nine dollar flights to Iceland. What? Yeah, Iceland. The, the Iceland Air? Yeah, or Wow Air. The government subsidizes You're flights kidding. there. Wow Air? I flew them to, that to Scotland. Like, that sounds fake. Yeah, is it that, did. sounds like the sham Wow. Is that a real airline? I, I flew wow. them. Okay. And you, you flew to Scotland from the U.S. on Wow Air? Uh, yeah, with a layover in, in Reykjavik. Wow. Oh. Cool. <laughs> 
Bobcat told me about it. He said he got a $99 flight to Scotland and I was or to to uh, Reykjavik and I was I said, "Wow." He's like, "That's the airline." <laughs> <laughs> Huh, was welcome. it was it like a, a 1954 DC-10 tanker with you know no seats and uh, like a cargo plane kind of thing? Or so know? I flew on the uh, the inaugural flight from Reykjavik to uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, okay. and the and the pilot said this is a brand new brand new plane, but. We definitely found like some gum under the seats. Uh, maybe like, uh, the seats. Maybe the seats weren't new, but the plane <laughs> itself was. The shell. Maybe they maybe got we a, painted it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Cool. Mine is blown. Is, is there anything else we haven't asked Kristen is about? Is there anything the else Arctic's? you want to tell us about? Yeah. It that we haven't asked you. Um. No, I think that's about it. Greenland is okay. an awesome country with an awesome culture and. It's a really uh, neat way to to get to spend time there, and that's probably the cheapest way, the cheapest thing to do in Greenland. Because once you're there, you hike the trail, and there are no expenses yeah. associated with it's that. It's always cheaper to walk. Yes, I do have one last question. Did you eat anything crazy there? I know Iceland is known for you know their fermented shark, shark. face Ugh. and what, whatever. Um, nothing super crazy. Um, when I was traveling on the ship, we had seal. Ooh, um, that's different. Yep. Was it fatty? What was it like? Was it chewy? Yeah, it was. It was a little chewy. Um, it it was raw. The seal that I had. <laughs> I so was actually going to ask if it was cooked, and then I was like, "That's a stupid question." I had I'm a ton like of idiot. bannock too. Bannock's delicious. What's bannock? It's a bread. Oh, okay. Oh. Really good. What raw seal. How, what, what do they? How do they prepare that? Is it like sushi or? Um, just big pieces well, of raw seal. It's served it's kind with of, rice and I mean, wrapped they had just, in seaweed. Just uh, like gotten sushi. the seal, so it was super fresh and just. Yeah. What does the meat look like? What color is it? It was like pale. <laughs> it was pale. <laughs> is it like a thick piece of meat? I, like I just had like a tiny sliver. Is it slimy? No. Huh. What about the bakery you mentioned earlier? Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Uh, are the pastries are, are, are some the same as what we would ha- we would have here in the U.S. or are some different or is it a mix? Like w- what was in there? A mix. I'm not a connoisseur of bakeries, so oh. <laughs> <laughs> you need to send snorkel on either because we are <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, some of it looked different. It was yeah, best bakery I've ever been to, though. Oh, oh. Wow. Do they, do they have these? Do they have these little like diamond shaped fold over rye breads with rice in them. Oh, that's a finish. I know, but yeah. I thought maybe you'd transfer over. No, maybe uh, not that I noticed. Okay, oh, so I just kind of I would roll went and got the first tr- thing I saw. I was so hungry, and then so, yeah. so, <laughs> that was so you it. think it was better than the Stahican bakery? Oh man, because uh, 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 that's my bar. Like that's my bar. For it bakeries. was really good. I okay. think it was up there. Wow. <laughs> Do they have uh, big? Um, they don't have cinnamon rolls. Do they have pretzels? No, I oh. didn't Do notice they have anything any like that. Like salty bread, salty squishy bread. Possibly, That's not like that I noticed. Okay. <laughs> hey, if any of our listeners want to see uh, photos from the Arctic Circle Trail, did you post anything on social media? Uh, no, I, I didn't. I, I have a few up on my Instagram. Which is um, Miles, Miles for, for Breakfast. breakfast yeah. Okay. All right, we'll, uh, we'll put a link. I, I'm actually kind of, I might have to go back through and I see your post, but I don't remember anything specific from Greenland, so I'll have to go back and take a look. Also, I'd like to point out that Kristen has that one of those Cicerone guidebooks uh, for this trail. So You're kidding me. Oh. There's a well, guidebook uh, for this trail? I mean, yeah. it looks like she has a guidebook there. Maybe oh, it's for something else. We forgot to ask you about guidebooks and maps. Yeah. So yeah. tell us. Yeah, so I ordered the guidebook, Trekking in Greenland, the Arctic Circle Trail. Just okay. got it on Amazon before the trip. 
And uh, it's recommended that you get maps. I uh, didn't have time to order them before the trip and hoped to buy them when I got there, but just ended up, there's some maps in the guidebook and uh, was able to get through on that. Not, it's not recommended, but. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what would happen if you hit a spot device in the middle of the Arctic Circle Trail. Do you think you would actually get uh, rescued? I think you would, uh, but it might be super expensive. Yeah, okay. So I know, where I live in Alaska, air evacuations are $60,000. Ouch. So I bet it's pretty expensive there. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Uh, Yikes. Yeah. And uh, wh- is, that a m- is that a map on the bottom? What is that? Or is that not to do with Greenland? Oh, this. Uh, no, that's uh, something else. Okay, a very media good. media suggestion. Oh, cool, oh cool. cool, cool, cool. Thank you so much for educating us all. Like, I guarantee you 99% of the people listening knew nothing about this trail, and now they do. And if you happen to go out there and you do this trail, please post some pictures of the bakery. Because the P- things in the P-O-D bakery. wants mm-hmm. to judge. I, I want to see what's in the bakery. No, I don't want to judge. I want to dream and imagine and <laughs> fantasize. That's what I want. <laughs> all right, let's go right into trips. All right. We've all been a few places this past month. P.O.D., why don't we start with you? Okay. Let's see. I've done another Boring 14er. I went up La Plata the other day. La Plata. And uh, it was really cold. And Snow on the ground? Well, there wasn't, there's not that much to report. Yeah. There was some snow up there at the top. And, and all the peaks now, all the 14ers are covered with snow. And I'm, unless it really warms up, I'm pretty sure the snow will stick yeah. from here on out. Uh, but yeah, I went up La Plata. It was about a eight mile round trip or something and there was a giant talus section and it was so cold my hands got really really cold but it was good the view from up top was nice there weren't that many people because i went on a friday and um it was great cool nice i'll chime in i'll chime in so pud and i got this harebrained idea that we would hike the collegiate west route along the continental divide last weekend from Hancock Trailhead to Twin Lakes. It's about, uh, what is it, 50 miles roughly? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it might be a little longer. Anyway, so we, we drove to the trailhead, which is, if you know the Colorado Trail, or the Continental Divide Trail, it's, it's halfway between Buena Vista and Salida, but to the west, past Mount Princeton Hot Springs, past St. Elmo, up the road to the old mining town i guess it was a town at some point yeah there was a lot of historic junk out there yeah lots of historic Super junk. annoying so we camped at the trailhead and then the next morning we got up and we hiked six miles and it was about i was in the upper 30s and but blowing very windy probably probably 37 degrees and 37 mile per hour winds and we took our first break and we just kind of looked at each other and we're like you know there's going to be a lot of suffering this weekend if we if we continue forward. Well, the thing is, we, we, were gonna, we were about to go up 1,000 feet and be on a treeless ridge for 16 miles. Yeah. And we were in the trees, and I had on all the clothes I could have on, and it was still really cold. I, I, feel, I feel like a little self-conscious right now talking about cold weather with Kristen Gates in the I room. Know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, you have to be dressed appropriately. And yes. when you're in mm-hmm. thru-hiker mode, for us, it, it, there's only so much you can, you can deal with. Now, I will say, if we had been on trail... We would have just put our heads down and dealt with it, right? Yeah. And we looked at each other and we thought, how many times have we been on a long hike and been like, man, I wish I could just get off trail just for a day and go to a hot springs. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and we're like, we could turn around 
and go back to the car. And then it's only seven miles to the hot springs in the car. Hmm. And then it started sleeting. Uh, and we were like, yeah, we're going to go to the hot springs. So we turned around. We hiked back to the Jeep. We did some leaf peeping. The fall colors are peaking right now in yep. Colorado. We went and camped with Twinkie. We camped with Twinkle. We had a solstice party. In Bigfoot, yes. Um, cool thing, though, on our hike out, before we turned around, we ran into three CDT Southbounders. Yeah. So a shout-out to Sketch, Joker, and Magpie. That's right. That I was kind of cool. And I, I felt for them because they they had no choice, right? They, but th- yeah. they were not that far from Monarch. It, given through hiker lags, I'd say they were half a day from Monarch. Yeah, so but they're going to make it in. As a whole, I know winter showed up early to Colorado this season, yeah. and and the divide is high. You it know, is. eleven, twelve thousand feet. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a cold hike. But CDT Sobos within an earshot of my, my voice, it will get better <laughs> once you get past Mount Taylor in That's New right. Mexico. You'll go down an elevation, and you can kind of lollygag. It's just in the, a cannonball run all the way to the border. In in warm, balmy weather. That's so, right. So don't don't fret. Except the mornings are really cold in New Mexico. And yeah. the Gila River is really not fun so in November. Cold. It's not oh, fun in the spring that. either when they do it. <laughs> no. Anyway. Um, Snorkel, Kristen, you guys been on any trips? I think Snorkel's been on a trip. Snork- sure. Yeah, talk to us. You've yeah. been, you just hiked, what, 11, 1,200 miles? 1,200 miles on the Pacific Northwest Trail. Just Ooh. finished up. Today is Friday. I finished up Monday afternoon. Wow, congrats. So you're right off the trail. Right off the trail. And I had to give a talk in Portland on Wednesday. And the original plan had been to finish on Tuesday, somehow hitchhike from the end over to a city, and then drive a car down to Portland for, for, you know, seven hours or whatever. And I'm so glad that it didn't end up happening. Instead, we were able to con my big brother, Allgood, to come drive seven hours and pick us up. Oh, my gosh. And he brought beer. Nice. Seven hours one way or round trip? Well, one way. Oh, I think eh, maybe what? six and a half. <sighs> wow. I'll, you, you might owe all good a little. Well, the thing is, is that Naomi and, and Mike, Iron Mike, the face tat Unger, yeah. they gave all good a ride from Glacier back to Portland. Oh, so, okay. Right. We, so, we picked, we picked uh, yeah. all good and Tattoo Joe up from yeah. the end of the CDT okay. last year. So well, I go. think that's, yeah. yeah. I think we're yeah. even tit Steven. for tat. Yeah. That that's that's good payment. Awesome. Huh? And how was it? Smoky. It uh-huh. it was smoky at first. Uh, up until right before we got into the North Cascades. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the fire closures this year, as I'm sure you know, on on all the trails in Pacific Northwest, were pretty extensive. Pretty extensive. So we got uh we got fired out of the Poseidon Wilderness, which oh. was the oh, that's a, thing that I really jewel. wanted to hike I this know. trail for. Um, so we ended up having to road walk down to Mazama, which is fine because they have an awesome bakery. Ah. And the PNT also goes through Pole Bridge, which is, has an awesome bakery. We yes. almost thought of being like, you know what, screw the PCT, or through the, screw, screw the PNT, let's go take the PCT to Stahican so we can turn this into the triple gown of bakery trail. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a great now, idea. did you see any Idaho Centennial trail markers? We saw one. And did no. that send Naomi into some sort of shock or like, did she have some nightmares after that uh, from our summer together? A, a little well, as I as I understand it, you didn't really see any Idaho Centennial not Trail until markers. The day, <laughs> not, not until we got to a road. Sounds about right. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Cool. It, it was on a beautiful flat section of trail, perfect forest, 
soft ground, maintained? no rocks on the trail, totally maintained. No pickers. It, it was. It, I was like, man, Naomi, I don't know what you were talking about. The Idaho Centennial Trail being so bad. This looks like I could take my mom on it. Mm-hmm. You should wow. take her on the section we did. <laughs> yeah, or the section we worked on. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, awesome. Congrats on yeah, finishing. Yeah, congrats. Thank you. And, and it finishes like right on the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. So you get um, about fifty miles, uh, on, right? Uh, maybe a little less than that. Right along the that coast, walking on the beach. You have to time it with the tides, as as yeah. I, yeah, which we were freaking out about because Iron Mark, I'm just going to roll him under the bus. Uh oh. Apparently, when he hiked the PNT last year, he quote unquote didn't know how to read the tide tables correctly, and somehow ended up in chest deep water. What? Uh, that's not okay. Yep, not okay. So we were kind yeah. of, uh, you know. Uh, a brick, so to speak, about this. You'll have to edit that. Sorry <laughs> no, about this. Yeah, about this. Uh, this tide situation, but it ended up being totally okay. Wow. Awesome. Cool. All right, uh, Kristen. Since Greenland, have you or been even able before Greenland? Yeah, or before anything? Any trips you've taken re- recently that you loved? Yeah, um, I live in a community called Wiseman up in the Brooks Range, and there's a lot of great hiking around there. Uh, this summer, I made it out to a mountain called Emma Dome which sits, it's, it's one of the bigger mountains in the valley. Um, it's right now covered in snow mm. uh, when I left. And, uh, yeah, it's a nice overnight hike. Um, you can hike bushwhack up to the ridge line, and then it's clear walking to the summit. Um, and then you can camp up there and head back down. Oh, very cool. I feel like every picture I've seen of yours on Instagram, there's snow and skis. <laughs> is, there any, is there any, you know, like you just said, you can bushwhack up and walk. Do you do much of that kind of hiking, or is it is it just always snowy up there? Yeah, the, our summers are a little shorter, um, but it's still summer, June, July, and August, mid-August. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so there's, yeah, snow-free hiking. And, and how would you describe this bushwhacking? What is bushwhacking up in that area of the world look yeah, like? Yeah, what does it look like? It depends. Sometimes it's really nice. Sometimes you can be walking on a gravel bar or on a game trail. Um, or on off ice in the spring, you can, uh, during the winter, the rivers freezes, uh, they freeze, and then the ice will kind of build up on top of itself, and that'll last until July, and hiking on the off ice is really nice. The um, off ice, is that the ice that builds on top? Yeah. Is it all bumpy and weird? No, it, well, it's it can smooth? be, but uh, in some places, it's smooth and ni- nice walking, too. And you don't just, like, constantly eat it, wa- walking on ice? Do you have to wear little crampons, little... I haven't had to. There's good enough traction for really? some reason. In the winter, really? for, it's a little more slippery. Oh, okay. Any wildlife on your hike? Um, no, didn't didn't see any on that one. Um, but we do have moose and bear around. Oh, yeah. Rather large. Have you ever been in your, your little minor cabin and been like, oh, crap, I can't go outside. There's a bear out there. Like a, like a grizzly bear. Um, no, luckily, I, I guess a bear did come into town while I was away this summer, but usually the bears won't, they, uh, they're not habituated at all. They're mm. very wild and they're frightened of people, luckily. Even the grizzlies? Yeah. Oh. Sweet. Although we have had a black bears been coming into our camp where I work, uh, down at Coldfoot. Hmm. Um, and we were afraid, uh, we were going to have a problem with him, but he left, so we didn't have to Sweet. do anything. Oh, my gosh. He got the, the message. Life's a little dis- different when you live in Alaska. That's right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got trail tip, so don't go anywhere.
not a chance, and I never listen to the trail show. <laughs> I hope is she going to be here this weekend? Unfortunately, no. Oh. Unless she can hitchhike her way from she Massachusetts, can. and we know that she can. Yeah, she can if anyone can, it's her. <laughs> All right, Snorkel. We hear that you've you become an expert on road walking, and uh, we want to see if you've got any tips for road walking for. All the unfortunate long-distance hikers that get stuck on long road walks. Uh, excellent question, Disco. As yep. we talked about earlier, the fires on, on in the northwest this year have left many hikers who are interested in getting their uh, triple crowns by having continuous footsteps on their long hikes Yeah, to be driven to the road walk. Also, some trails like mm. the PNT just have long road walks anyway. Right. So, so what do you do? What, what do you do when you're... Uh, what was the longest road walk you did? Do you recall? Ballpark. Uh, let's see. I think I would have to think about it in terms of days. D- I, what? Like multi-day road walk? Right. Well, <laughs> oh, my God. Sounds, Sounds like New like Zealand. New Zealand. <laughs> 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 okay. So maybe that's enough for folks to get an idea of. We're not just talking about like a five-mile road walk between single track. We're talking Days. Days. Yeah, and you know, it, one of the things about all these road walks is it made me really appreciate trails like the PCT or the yes. AT where so many people have gone to all these sort of lengths to make sure that you get to walk on a nice, soft, single track the whole time. Yes. It's a miracle. So, so what's your road walking tip? Yeah, how do you stay sane? All right, so one of the, the tips that I, I got from a guy who's road walked across the country um, is hmm. that you never road walk at night. Okay. Because That's your chances of getting hit by a car or some drunk guy being on the road increase significantly when you're road walking at night. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, you know, if you're in an area with a bunch of hunters, they might think that if you're out around dusk or whatnot, that you're, you're something an four-legged. Yep. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, we are animals, but... <laughs> anyway, continue. I, uh, you know, walk against traffic. That That's usually a, a good tip. Um, if it's a especially busy road, I'm not sure if this actually helps. I think it does. Taking out my headlamp, wearing mm. it on my head so that they have a little bit more to see. Like during, just during a, the daytime? Yeah, during the daytime. You know, okay. kind of like if you're on a mountain road, sometimes they'll say daylight, head headlight. Headlights on. on. Yeah. So, you know, my headlamp is not that strong, but, you know, it's something. Right. What about the vest, the reflective vest? Did you do you ever do that? I wish I had my reflective vest for some of these road walks. So I'll do that. I'll wear that reflective vest on urban hikes. Yeah, um, which is where I uh, got my feet wet on on multi day road walking, uh, and and uh, yeah, it you know I just didn't send it out on the through hike. Um, I guess I, wish I had that. I guess one thing you could do is you could get in advance if you know you're going to do a lot of road walking. You could. Get a raincoat, perhaps, that is a bright color, and if it's too hot, you could tie it to the back of your pack. Or, or, a, or a blaze orange hat. Yeah, blaze something. orange hat, at least for those sections. Yeah. I wonder if head sweats makes blaze orange. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Any, uh, any thoughts for, any tips for staying sane? Yeah. How do yeah. you fight off the insanity? So I would say that, that road walking has multi-problems. multi, multi problems. The first one is your feet, is that if you're used to walking on trail a long time, those road walks, especially oh, if they're on pavement, are so going to hurt your feet like you have never known. Um, so I knew there'd be a lot of road walking on the PNT, so I decided to opt for the more cushiony ultras. Ooh. The, I wore the Olympus instead of the Lone Peaks. Yes. 
Yes, those are my favorite. And I think that helped a lot. Um, you know, switching out socks, putting on a fresh pair in the middle of the day, an oh, old yeah. ultra marathoner trick, that sometimes helps. That's why I'm known as the sock lady, because I carry many, many, many pairs of socks. She doesn't carry many, many pairs of underwear, but <laughs> there's <lots of> socks. <laughs> uh, maybe. So d- that is true. Was it more paved roads or more dirt roads? I'd say there were probably more dirt roads. Okay, uh, good. Uh, yeah, there were definitely some paved roads. Yeah. Sometimes right. those shoulders get a little thin. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And, you know, water management is, is something that's important, too, is because you're not getting those nice, clean creeks that you get when you're hiking. Yes. That's you something you have to plan for as well. Road runoff. You want to uh, try to go and get your water from the uphill side of the road area as opposed to below the road. Right. Uh, if, another thing, if too, is if, if you've got a bridge, uh, yeah, get your water from the uphill. But hanging out under bridges is a really great place where a thru-hiker can get some shade, kind of take off shoes and not get honked at by cars. Yeah, we did that a couple times in New Zealand. It was lovely. When I was on the Arizona Trail March, a lot of the roads, I think entirely any of the road walking was on dirt roads. But I swear, every time I got to one of these dirt roads, there was ATVs and UTVs, like without fail. And they had no idea that the Arizona Trail coincided with the dirt road that they were like doing their rally car thing on (laughs) i I just i was getting covered in dust and i was like i was actually getting upset i was like man this freaking sucks and then i thought about i would try to remind myself about paved road walking in new zealand and i was like nah this actually isn't that bad (laughs) dirt road walking i think is much preferable if you have to write I agree. Yeah. And, you know, I it, we knew it wasn't the safest thing, but we definitely listened to podcasts on those paved roads. Oh, yeah. Keep some sanity going. Yeah. Some music. So don't hike at night. Hike against traffic. Wear your headlamp. Get, bright colors. Get cushiony shoes. Wear bright colors. And listen to the trail show. Sweet. All right. I'm bringing back iTunes Top 5. Sweet. But only if I, can, if I can find the iTunes music. Here we go. All right, folks. I asked, and you all mostly responded. I did have to borrow a review from a non-iTunes source to get five. but That's all right. It's all good. Come on, people. Help us out here. Yeah, this is Buck 30's favorite, or the Onion's favorite segment. It's Buck 30. No, oh, is it Buck 30? It's the Onion's. The Onion. Yeah. He needs this. Buck 30's favorite segment is when we give shout out to the donors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Rob Sue 2 says, great show, five stars. I really enjoy your podcast. Look forward to every episode. Short and sweet, Rob Sue. We appreciate that. PUD's going to love this one. Cinch B says, the trail Big show. The, shri- the trail show could be good. Two stars. Could be good. This show. <laughs> I'm already going to start laughing. All right. We got, we got to be serious. Okay. okay we got to be serious about this. This show could be a great podcast about hiking trails and gear, but they get into politics. And no matter what side they are on, I can't stand politics. It is the last thing I want to listen to, so I have to pass on this podcast. I can't possibly imagine where Cinch B would get the idea that the trail show delves into politics, P.O.D., well, you know what? It's a political world, my friend. And the trail show's good. It's big. It's successful. I don't understand what Cinch B's concerns are. Well, Cinch B needs to go. Is to snorkel a in the room? Is snorkel in the room? 
I'm hiding. I think he knows I'm not totally I actually totally think Snorkel's white. in here, but she's taking a knee, so she's unavailable right now. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. She's she's trying to talk politics. She's disre- disrespecting the flag. Well, Cinch B, we don't really appreciate your criticism, and we can't imagine why you would think the trail show has anything to do with politics. Well, I just, I just cut out there. I don't know what happened. Something wrong with your microphone, just like <laughs> at the debate. DT out. Wow, I wasn't expecting wasn't expecting him to come in there. It's kind of weird. He took a break from tweeting about the NFL to join our show. Isn't that nice? All right, moving on. Iowa Liberal says listening in Iowa, not Cuba, five stars. <laughs> <laughs> my podcast of choice while choring my <clears throat> I don't does anyone know about choring endurance horses? Uh yes. Yeah, uh yes. Okay. Juring? I, is it J O U R I N G? C H O R I N G. Oh. Maybe it's like the chores associated with Choring, being yeah. a horse owner. Okay, yeah, we'll just maybe. go with that. Okay, I have to be careful because Disco's noises spook the horses. On the other <laughs> hand, out of order calms them. That's not surprising. I believe that. Yeah. Okay, ASDZCM Microzen says still the best resource for tent stakes. Five stars. Oh, I got a good one. Disco's gonna love the one for today. He says, I only listen for the sound effects, vacuum tombs, alarms, crickets, <laughs> and the crickets are my favorite. <laughs> uh, you should marry that person. I know. It sounds like a heck, yeah. of, a, heck of a guy. It'd be a great partner. All right. And this you. one comes from Stitcher, the Stitcher app. Oh, that's, that's, that's fine. That uh, H. Lynn says, after five years, five stars. They're still committed to reviewing beer and sometimes trails. Oh, and today we don't have any beer. I know, I know. He's going to be so disappointed. There's or she. There's going to be so much beer tonight, though, yeah, at the exactly. All the West Gathering. Exactly. Right. So just give us a pass. So, folks, keep those iTunes reviews coming. Go on Stitcher if you listen on the Stitcher app. Uh, comment there. I don't know if Google Play lets people review. If they do, think about doing that. But, you know, give us, give us some love. We'll read it. Even the two-star reviews. That make false accusations. All right, POD. Yes. Do you want to do mailbag? Sh- sure. Are you ready to do mailbag? I'm ready for mailbag. Should I hit the mailbag music? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Snorkel, can, can you read item number one under mailbag? Sure. From PayPal. Love your show. Where we live, it's at least a two-hour drive in any direction to get to some awesome trailheads. So we listen to the trail show to get us amped up and ready for the upcoming hike. Thanks for the antics. Winky face. <laughs> Wiki face. Winky face. A winky face. Okay. Okay, so we already got uh, the, the woman who contacted me basically insinuating that I was the mad pooper. Tough broad. Uh, the next letter is, uh, it says, hey guys, love your show. I've been enjoying the segments as I fall asleep on the trail. Ooh. I recently listened to your West Coast Trail segment from 2014 and felt it was great, except it needs a redo. Oh, the West Coast Trail. Yeah. I just yep. finished this trail and feel this trail is underrated. A challenging experience that will soon be overpopulated. The sandy beaches, the mud and roots of Canadian rainforest make for an experience that feels like it lasts forever. Total is 80K with something like 35 ladders reaching 60 feet. Suspension bridges, cable cars, river crossings, ferry boats, and the best burgers and baked potatoes you'll ever have. And fighting words. Wow. <laughs> this trail is an all-in-one package experience. Recommending to go from north to south, experience bear, cougars, and wolf. Sea life off the coast consists of sea lions, which apparently you can just 
go up and take a bite and eat them raw. And whales. <laughs> <laughs> you have long beach days lugging your 40-pound pack on dry sand and long nights sitting by the fire made of driftwood, rubbing your arches after stepping on the exposed tree roots all day. There are spots of trail covered by boardwalks put there by the natives. It definitely is a short through hike, but I would say it is very physically and mentally demanding. Thanks, guys. Austin. And now we don't have to do a redo because we just did. I, yeah, I think you just summed up the WCT right there. Yeah. Problem solved. Thanks for the letter. All right. Snorkel, you want to read item number four? Sure. From Allie Chickory Edwards. Salida is the best trail town ever, as we all know. Sunday night, while walking back from a Safeway ice cream run, we noticed several grocery carts parked in the dumpster area on G Street, all filled to the brim with, quote-unquote, old baked goods. There must have been enough cakes, pies, and donuts to feed 40 or more hikers. I grabbed a carrot cake, a box of donuts just to bring back to the hostel to share, and the carrot cake was just as tasty as any I'd pay for in a bakery. The guy working at the hostel said this wasn't uncommon, and he'd gotten goodies there before. The only problem was now we had way too many sweets to eat and couldn't finish the ice cream we bought. Bummer. So in summary, check the dumpster before going inside the store to buy anything, especially Sunday nights outside of the Salida Safeway. Which is also known oh, as the Soviet Chicory. Safeway. Chicory, yes. what, what you should know is that every Sunday afternoon, like this big bowl, uh, or I should say big pot of urine spills oh, all over the baked goods. And then they put those out in the dumpster. I, I'm he knows, so sorry. He knows because he takes the bowl of urine over yeah, there himself. Yeah, I'm so sorry, no. Chickory. No? The, the mad pooper of Salida also visits that dumpster <laughs> regularly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yes. That's it. That's it for Mailbag. That's okay. all the letters we have. Very good. Well, we'll just keep moving right along. All right. Um, we were going to do a little media review. Oh, yeah. And we're going to kind of <laughs> change things up this month. Normally, we review a movie, a book, sometimes an episode of a podcast, sometimes other things. We kind of dropped the ball last month, and this this month we're actually going to, I think we're beauty, we're going around the table. And yeah, we're so what we're going to do is, sometimes it's difficult for us to all consume the thing that we're, that we're reviewing. And that's what happened the last couple of months, actually. Right. And so I had this idea, what if instead of doing a media review where we all review the same book or movie, each of us talks about one piece of media that we consume on a regular basis and hopefully we can expose our listeners to a few more um, podcasts or publications, whatever. So that was my idea. Very good. Well, do you want to start sure. us out? Um, so I was going to bring up the Cascade Hiker podcast. Yeah, with Rudy. With Rudy. Rudy. Who I finally met at the PCT days. And oh, cool. uh, he actually called and did an interview with me a couple weeks ago or last week. Is it out yet? I don't think so. No. Okay. So uh, com- coming in October, yeah. maybe. The cool thing about his podcast, it is kind of, a, it is a hiking-ish podcast. It's very different from the trail show. It's him interviewing one person and it's a, a conversation and they get into a lot of, not just about what trail did you do, but a lot of other information about that person. You know, how did you get into backpacking? How did you get your trail name? And the thing that I also like about his content is that it's not just hiking related. He has some kayakers. He's also interviewed the people of the First 40 Miles podcast. Yeah. And he has an interview about a guy who does a lot of backcountry fishing. Um, he has information about episodes about hiking with his two young daughters, which I think would be really interesting, especially to the community of 
hikers that now have kids and are looking at ways to to branch out. So the thing I like about his website is that it has a lot of content that's not just what trail did you do, how long was it, blah, blah, blah. It's hikers and it's outdoor related, but it's more than just hiking. It's It's a lot of information about various types of outdoor recreation and interesting topics. Very cool. It's the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Check it out. I've been listening to a new podcast lately that's being done by John Z, who is the co-owner of Palante Packs. Some of you may or may not know about their backpacks, and you may or may not know about John Z, but he just started a podcast this summer called The Roots Podcast, where actually, you know what? I'm just going to let John Z tell you what what the podcast is about and play. Hi, it's John Z. I'm just making a quick video to announce that I just started a podcast. It's called The Roots Podcast, and you can find it at rootspodcast.com or on iTunes or whatever podcast player you use at Roots Podcast. And I'll have a bunch of links in the description if you want to find it. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's the description I came up for it is meaningful conversations with hikers who venture off the beaten path. And I think that reflects kind of the type of hiker I talk to primarily in it. It's people who are establishing new routes and doing some of the less common trails out there. And um, also really having those deep conversations with them, kind of like when you're first getting to know someone on trail and you just kind of let it all out and everyone's super honest with each other. And you have some really deep conversations about motivation and family and all that. And more into the mental side so yeah uh check it out i'll have links in the description and let me know what you think about it and if you like it you can subscribe on itunes or wherever and also um review it uh so yep thanks all right that's john z again it's the roots podcast you can find it at rootspodcast.com uh his first episode was with Dirtmonger, and his second was with arizona Whoa, so cool. Trail show folks, those are those are people you've heard on our show before. Uh, John Z takes a different tact, and he really it's kind of a one on one interview. It's really cool. Uh, give it a listen. And John Z, you haven't put out an episode in a while. I'm calling you out publicly. Don't let Roots Podcasts go away. Put out some more episodes. Yeah, we, we need really all like the what you're doing. Podcasts that we can find. All right, snorkel. So, uh, so I am choosing the Alda West Gazette. Ooh. A weekly blog uh, that's for us, by us, through hikers. Yeah. Usually has kind of a, a slightly irreverent sense of humor with useful information. And the blog posts are very short. So while I find it very hard to keep the attention span necessary to read someone's normal trail blog, this is usually just a, a little little spice packet on my ramen, so to speak, <laughs> of, of oh. my minus online the, life. Minus the MSG. Oh, that's the best. Oh. <laughs> well, and the nice thing about about the Gazette is that anyone can write for it. You don't have to be like on the board of All the West. If you have an idea that you think would would serve the the outdoor hiking community well, then you can contact the editor and you can submit content. In fact, we have the editor in the yurt right now, Charles. Yes. Yeah, Charles, do you want to hop on the mic real quick? Hop on Snorkel, Snorkel's just, mic? Just snuggle up to Snorkel. Yeah, yeah, there. just... Uh, okay, I'll always snuggle up with Snorkel. Just just <laughs> real quick, so... Mouth real close. Yeah, talking to the red okay. dot there. So the the Gazette's changed a bit since, uh, I guess, folks that have been in Auto West for a while might remember the paper Gazettes that were mailed out. Right. 
like quarterly, sometimes yep. bi-yearly, sometimes every other year. <laughs> <laughs> so things have changed. Like, can you tell us a bit real quickly about like the new electronic format and, and how folks can get the Gazette? Sure. Uh, you can uh, easily go out to uh, the Alder West website, and uh, we we have a uh, link there. You can um, read the the content. Uh, it's a, it's like Snorkel said. They're usually uh, very short, uh, different segments covering everything from trail recipes to mm. people's experiences on the trail pooping uh, pooping yeah we've had a <laughs> few of those uh, and and we're always looking for uh content providers people to um you know send us their ideas and thoughts on hiking and sure and what they're doing out there okay and if if people had an idea for a submission could they contact you they could and what's what's the best way to get in touch with you uh editor at com. Very good. Is it .com I'm, or .org? No, I'm sorry, it's .org. 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 Excellent. Yep. Um, I actually was just on the Gazette yesterday because you all did an article on short hikes close to the Alder West Gathering. Yes. And mm-hmm. I'm actually hoping to duck out after we finish the show and do one of those short hikes. So thanks for, yeah. thanks for posting that info. You're welcome. You bet. All right. What Kristen. else? Kristen, do you have any media you'd like to talk about? Uh, Yeah, I uh, really enjoy reading the Explorers Club Journal. Um, It's this little publication put out quarterly by the Explorers Club, um, and they have stories from expeditions all over the world. Oh, cool. Um, In their their last edition, for example, um, there was an article about the ropeless ascent of El Capitan. There was an article about a group that circumnavigated the world using only uh, traditional Polynesian wayfaring uh, techniques. Oh, I heard about Wow, that's that even group. more hardcore than uh, Mike Dubonis hiking in wool. <laughs> <laughs> in a pack basket. Yeah. Yeah, huh. and another article about the cultural significance of bear's ears. Um, so, yeah, a lot of great ah. stories in there. So and who is the Adventurers Club? Who is that? Um, the Explorers Club. Or there. Explorers Club, sorry. They're uh, based in New York City, and it's just a, a group of people. Their goal is to unite um, explorers and uh, just th- uh, promote the work of exploration and it's cool to me that there's still some exploring that's happening. Sure. Yes. It's a great concept, right? That that it's not it hasn't all been discovered and there's there's still ways to be an explorer. I think that's kind of cool. Do you recall what the website is or could you just google it Explorers Club? Yeah, yeah, I, um I don't remember the website. But okay. Yeah, and is it a paper it or can it you is, get it Yeah, you have to get it mailed. Paper. Okay. Oh, really? So it's still Okay, snail yeah. mail. And I only have satellite internet, so it's one of the few yeah. <laughs> things that I can get. <laughs> Excellent. Wow, that's cool. All right, I tell you what, let's take one more break. When we come back, we've got Ask a Hiker. We've got gear review. we got some shout-outs. Stay tuned. This is the Bobby Walters, and I never listen to the trail show. Bobby. So sultry. Hey, let's give a shout out to our donors. We had a few this month, I know. Because those koozies, baby. Those koozies. Uh, We've got Bernard Wolf. Hey. Goomy Bear. Goomy. Russ Not Fuss Kinder. Russ. 
Craig Pisco Gully. What a guy. By the way, Craig Gully, I have my friend Yolanda, who is from Peru, who's going to come to my house on Sunday night. And we're going to have some of that Pisco. And I'm sure she's going to tell me how much better the, the Peruvian Pisco is. But I'm not going to let her get away with it. Because the Pisco we have is Chilean, right? That's right. Okay. Okay, we've got Gringo Madness. Hey, Gringo. Bobby Walters. Bobby. The Bobby Walters. Joshua Bowdown to Ja Bowden. That's a, my favorite Diane, drill name. Diane Pinkers. Pinkerstein. David Vitti. Hey. Justin Quality Knowles. Quality. Jason Lurch, not Church Dean. Baptist. Ingrid Gerard. Vermont. Samuel Emery. The board. Rudy from CascadeHikerPodcast.com. Hey, Rudy. Hey. Uh, Jeffrey, not Beauregard, Caldwell. Buddy <laughs> Sessoms, not Sessions. Uh, here we go. And that, See, that's what this guy was writing about on the iTunes reviews. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pat, uh-huh. Pat the Bouncer Dixon. The Bouncer. By the way, Buddy's from Florida, right? Correct. He's the one. So, by the way, everyone, Buddy e- emailed us and told us that he did survive the, the uh, hurricane. Irma. Hurricane. He had to evacuate. He put shutters all over the his house, but he made it through. And just as a side note, the trail show did donate to both Hurricane Irma and... Harvey. Harvey, we might want to think about donating to Marie because Puerto Rico's in a oh bad way God. right now. It's terrible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we use some of the, our trail show donations to uh, to donate to those, so to the th- Red Cross. So thank yeah. all of you yeah, for donating. For then we got our one-offs. It's raining koozies. Hallelujah. It's raining koozies. Uh, we've got Tawny, Don't Tread on Me, Smith. Don't J- Tread. Jason, the Foster's Can Mueller. Oh, wow. That's a good one. Yeah. Daniel, Mr. Stingy Brunner. Mr. Stingy, huh? Mr. Stingy, huh? The distinguished Lord Mark the Shark Weatherington Jr., the third Esquire. Big ups. Uh, Clayton Donaldson, not the duck. What? Clayton, not the duck, Donaldson, you know? Oh, man, I was going to Donald the duck, no? Yeah, no. And we've got Kevin... Larry Boy DeVries. Larry Boy! Who wrote us a very lovely note and gave us a very, very healthy donation. Larry Boy. Which we will not share with D'Lo at all. We're not worthy, but we sure are thankful. Yes. Yep. And uh, that's it for our one-offs. Our beer sponsor today is Alda West, but we won't be having that till later. And do you know who that's going to be? Do you know what brewery we're getting beer from? We're getting beer from the Dillon Dam Brewery, I think. And we've got... What do, what do you have in your... Tr- and Coors! Co- no, Colorado Native. Co- oh, Colorado, Colorado Native. Native. Right. Okay. Owned by Coors. And then we've got kombucha coming from Rowdy Mermaid. Rowdy Mermaid? Yeah. Where are they out of? Boulder. Boulder. That's, um... Oh, that's our friend's girlfriend? Yes. Oh, very yeah. good. Okay. We know the Rowdy Mermaids. I know one of them. She's pretty awesome. Excellent. All right. Should we go right into Ask a Hiker? I think we should. Okay. Who is going to be doing Ask a Hiker this month? Uh, Liz Snorkel Thomas. Now, there was some, um, I, I should mention real quickly that there was a cease and desist letter previously. Oh, right. There were some issues with Backpacker Magazine. I saw that your lawyer is standing just outside. Snorkel, there were, there were people on Facebook that were adamantly defending the assault you were taking by the Trail Show Legal Department. And... I think they're going to be shocked if they get wind that you're doing Ask a Hiker on the trail show. 
They're going to be shocked. It was part of our settlement. Okay. <laughs> if, I did, if I did ask a hiker on a trail show, then you would no longer make me pay the millions of dollars. That's that right. Okay. That's, otherwise right. Right, that's fair. Okay. What's our first question? Snorkel, it's your bit. Oh, Come so on, you want go. me to read that? Okay, I'll read all of these. Dear Trail Show, my husband and I are apparently at very different points as to the shape opposite gender friendships, opposite gender friendships take. He is an avid hardcore hiker. He met a woman, also married, on a hiking forum and wants to take a week-long hiking trip with her to an extremely isolated location. He says that since there's nothing there between them, it's fine to take a trip like this. I feel uncomfortable and think it's weird to take an extended, super-isolated trip with an opposite-gender friend. I've never met this woman and likely never will, as she lives across the country. So, this isn't a pal who I know and knows me. Thoughts? Anonymous, from Facebook. Alright, can I say something real quickly before we answer this question? Full disclosure, we may have borrowed bits and pieces of this question from an actual question that was posed somewhere online that is based in actual truth. So what you should know is that this is for real, yeah. you know, and, I think and, I know and our advice is probably going to be horrible. I think so. I know who wrote this letter, but I'm not going to okay. say any names. So let's set this up. So this guy wants to go hiking with a woman who he met probably on some online hiking forum, and they're going to go to some remote location, and he's married, and... The, the spouse, ha- the wife has some hesitations. Well, my guess is that the, hi- the wife is not a hardcore hiker or a hiker, period. And uh, I, she's not listening to our podcast. But uh, I think it's fine. Hmm. So you'd be okay with me uh, going on a seven-day hike um, in the Brooks Range with... Some gal I met sure. on a hiking forum that, yep, yeah, totally. But you know the thing okay. is, my I feel like POD and disco well, in that case, have a very <laughs> I'm healthy, ready to book some trips. <laughs> <laughs> no, just very kidding. healthy open relationship where they talk to each other about things, and I'm sure disco would be like, all right, here's the deal with this person. Here's this person's hiking resume. Like, clearly this person can do stuff you can't do, P.O.D. So that's why right. I'm going. Right. Whereas this lady's kind of like, I don't know who this person is. Well, and that's the thing. I think in, in any relationship, and I think this issue actually comes up in the, in the hiking community because there's a, a ton of people here, you'll see at the gathering, who they're into hiking and their partner is not or not right. into it as much as they are. And so there's a bit of a disconnect there. And so this, this situation could, could happen frequently. And I think, of course, if you are with the gender that you're attracted to on a week-long trip, of course, you know, you could have a moment where you're, you, you know, have some sort of a romantic feeling or something like that. Those things are, could happen and they're natural, but, but hopefully you're an adult enough to choose to not act on those feelings and be like, you know, I'm in a relationship with someone and, oh, look, this person's really hot and that's great. And that doesn't mean I'm going to like go crawl all over them. Right. <laughs> um, so I think it's one thing to to on a human level, be able to recognize that the person you are adventuring with has a lot in common with you is perhaps attractive and also being able to separate that from the life that I've built with my partner is this and I'm going to honor that. And so are you are you secure in your relationship or not? And 
if you are, I think that you can handle that your partner can go and, you know, conduct themselves with some decency and come back and be fine. And also, I think that there's another piece of this that happens where the partner isn't into that thing. And so they feel that automatically this other person has something that they don't have. Right. Mm. And she didn't write that in there. Right. But where the other person has is outdoorsy. And so there's, well, they're going to be attracted because I'm, I'm not outdoorsy or they're this thing. And, you know, I, I think that that's, that's total crap. Like you can have, a, you can be in a relationship with someone who, who's not involved in the exact same things as you and still have a good time, you know, and still be with your partner. You know, I recently started taking salsa dancing lessons with a guy who I just met through the class, right? The guy's not me. The guy's not disco. And we're <laughs> dancing. We're salsa dancing, you know, and we're like looking at each other's face. We're like two inches from each other all the time, you know? And of course, we're in a studio and everything. But the point is, disco's not interested in doing it, and I am. So there, I went and did it. As it's long not a big as deal. it's not the flamenco, which is the forbidden dance. And even if it were, I would still do it, and it would be okay. Disco, have you met this this salsa flamenco dancer? Nope. Nope. I haven't. And probably might never, might never will. Yeah, maybe not. And a couple of years ago, um, you went on a hiking trip with Ryan Choi. Yeah. And I was sad I couldn't go, but I had a and bunch it, of work. But you did know Ryan Choi, so that's not a little really. bit different. Well, that's true. But yeah. he's a long-distance hiker, and he was on a CDT through hike, yeah. and you're a long-distance hiker. You have to, I think you have to choose to trust each other. Sure. And I think if you choose to give each other that mutual trust, then you can also choose to honor that trust that's given to you. I would, I would also say it's about being very open, which goes along with the trust. And I would also say that, that this hiking partner, both hiking partners need to be very clear about what expectations they have. You know, For all yeah. we know, the other hiker is hoping this will lead to a hookup. So right. I've definitely been on trips with guys who have had more interest in me <laughs> than just hiking, which has been very awkward to be somewhere remote and uh, discover that. Right. Yeah. It's true. So, you know, just be clear with that all up front before you head off into a remote spot. Agreed. Kristen, what do you think about all this? Yeah, I think um, coming, not coming from the, the long distance hiking community, I can see how um, she might be more, more bothered by it. And yeah, maybe there's something else going on in the relationship that they need to address yeah. um, to build up that trust and just be open. All, All right. right. Wow, that was, uh, that was heavy. That was a pretty heavy question for the trail show. All right. No, this one's a lot lighter. I've always <laughs> used a trowel to dig cat holes. Oh, here we go. How do you folks dig a proper hole without a trowel? Snorkel. No, dude, I am so trowel, pro trowel. Oh, okay. I wrote that giant blog post like two years ago. Yeah, come like, on, P.O.D. Uh, I hike in the Sierras and often have to dig through small rocks and roots. And when I need to go, I'm not going to start lots of holes looking for super soft dirt. <laughs> Special said he got a trowel for his LNT gig. Wait, he didn't have a trowel before that? That's what this... Special. But never really felt the need for one before. Oh, that's the second half of the sentence yeah. there. What? Also, if I were to use a trekking pole or tent stake when I need to go first thing in the morning, I'd have to pull apart my tarp setup. Not too convenient. Mm. Yeah. Please tell me how you cat hole magicians are digging proper holes with no trowel and without taking your tent apart. And none of this BS from D-Lo about sharp rocks and <laughs> rotted tree stumps. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. Uh, this is a good question. And I don't know if we're going to have a good answer, but we should try. I don't. I carry a trowel. I think if you don't carry a trowel, you're not digging a proper hole. I agree. And, Having not carried a trowel, Disco doesn't carry a trowel, and he says he uses. I a do trekking pole. I carry a trowel. Oh, I just 
Didn't he's, have one in New Zealand. He's used mine lots of times. Oh. So kids out there, just use a trowel. They're super light now. What about you? Do you carry a trowel? Yeah, um, I use a trowel too. I've I've tried to go the ten steak route, sharp rock route, just doesn't really work. Especially yeah. when you're, you're like you start sweating, you're like, <gasps> you know. Well, sometimes you got to dig that hole after I the know. fact, and that's always talk to me about it. <laughs> talk to me if I had a nickel. It's like eighty percent of my trail dumps. Oh my! So it's not enough time. TMI, please. <laughs> Why? I'm not talking about TMI. the actual thing. So yeah, I agree with you, Doug. I think not carrying a, a trowel is. It's disgusting is what I think. I think if you're not carrying a trowel, that poop is really close to the surface. You can just use the back of your foot like uh, somebody we know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And no hand sanitizer either. <laughs> uh, yeah, gross. You know what? Where's my epic fail sound effect? Because that's exactly what <laughs> This is, is like the fifth week, fifth episode in a row, I feel like, where we've talked about pooping strategies. Like fifth? Are you kidding me? How about like 24th? <laughs> It's it's really important. It's it's hard to hike it. I know, it is. It's a big deal. All right. All right. Question number three. Dear Trail Show, as you are probably aware, a lot of land managers, especially those of wilderness areas near large population centers, so wilderness areas near Denver, Seattle, etc., have seen increased visitation and impacts that they are not prepared to deal with as a result of, quote, viral trails resulting from posts on social media. Someone posts a picture of a beautiful waterfall, lake, meadow, hot spring, etc., that everyone shares it, likes it. A bunch of people go there over the following months, create new campsites because there's no room at the already established ones, post their pictures when they get home, etc. Same cycle. <coughs> Sorry, a little cough there. Trails get wide and braided. Basic LNT doesn't get practiced because people are new to hiking and inspired by the beautiful picture they saw on Instagram, which is great, but the impact in the landscape is not. Should leave no trace, consider adding an eighth principle that asks people to think before they post. This guy should have put a question mark, but question mark. It is not encouraging <laughs> elitism. He's trying to leave no trace. Or, or <laughs> minimal punctuation. <laughs> Secret keeping. Merely thoughtful reflection, as explained succinctly on the webpage. It is not finger-wagging or rulemaking. It's just asking people from the heart to think about the potential impact their posts might have. Thanks, Mark. Well, Jessica and oh, I talked wow. about this a little bit. I, I think you could add it if you wanted to, but I, I, think, I think when people in the distance community get upset about social media... Uh, apps, mapping apps, social media. I think when you get upset about those things, you are wasting your energy because you're asking everyone to take a backward step. So, Well, you're asking people to use discretion and you're asking like an entire generation of people with phones in their hands to not do what they've been doing for the last five plus years. So you're what what we're talking about here is like retraining people to do something that's the opposite of what they're doing now, which is posting and and hashtagging every every hike they go on, every waterfall, every and you know, I, in theory, I, I like the idea of like, hey, people, let's let's be a little more discreet. <laughs> you know, if you just found a really really cool hike. Maybe not post it to the entire well, world. And the thing is, he's asking about but, adding, but, adding it to leave no trace, which would be fine, but yeah. I don't think it would be that effective. Yeah, because the issue is that if you decide not to, to post, then the next person comes by and they post. Right. So I, I, don't, I don't know that what you What do you can... think, Kristen? You live in a very wild and remote place. What are your thoughts on people visiting and posting photos and names of places? 
Um, I think it's great that more people are getting outdoors. I think more people need to get outside and uh, maybe Leave No Trace should become uh, just taught more widely. What about you, Snorks? You know, I think it's great that people are getting outdoors and there's some growing pains here. I don't know. Why don't these land managers try to hire some more rangers or volunteers to get or, some basic L&T out yeah, there? Yeah, or the L&T team. Right. Like, spend some money on that. Well, it all comes down to money, though. It does so. come down to money, but you're right. It's personal responsibility. That's, you know, at some point, we need the infrastructure in there. And I also think that there's, there's also a deeper issue there. For example, in Colorado, where the population is exploding, what about, you know, adding something to the tax base that, that helps pay to protect the recreation that people are coming for, you know? Like? Well, I'm just saying... A perfect example would be some of the marijuana tax. Yeah, I was let's, I was wondering if that's where you were going. Yeah. No, I, I wasn't. But let's why not use some of the marijuana tax? I don't know what it all goes to. I know part of it goes to schools, but part of it could go to paying subcontracting L and T and having those people do uh. some more stuff. You know, th- this really seems the equivalent to me of there being a lot more people. Okay, the car has been invented. There's a lot more people on the roads. You know what? We should try to tell people to stop driving on these roads. Right. That's worked it's, out really well, hasn't right, it? Right, exactly. And I also yeah. think, as Kristen said, and Disco and I talked about, these are public lands. And guess what? Every single person has a right to be at every single piece of public land. You know? We don't own it. We don't. It doesn't belong to me. And, of course, I can use some discretion when posting pictures. But so what if other people go there? Like, it's not... The issue isn't people going there. The issue is people going there and not not practicing leave no trace principles. That's the issue. So the more people we have out there, the more people are going to be interested in protecting public lands, but the issue is educating those people. Right. When it comes down to the root of the problem, the root of the problem is that people aren't practicing leave no trace. It's not posting. Right. Here's an idea. Correlation causation, folks. It might be a half measure, but maybe you post the picture, but you don't say where it is. Or you and, and someone's in the comments is going to ask you where it is, or they're going to say, oh, this is so-and-so, right? Question mark. And maybe you just don't respond. Or you make up a fake location. <laughs> yes. Or you just put New York City. For when somebody every single... asks where it is, you just put a link to Leave No Trace. Ooh. And then people would just click on it, and they'd be like, oh, what's this? That's an interesting tactic. I like it. I don't know. That's better than my idea of Big Dick Rock. that's the location yep okay (laughs) very good (laughs) okay beauty any more or snorkel any more ask a hiker questions this month was there just three there were just three Three. all right folks we are coming in for the close rounding it out i think we're going to finish this thing up with a gear review yep we got a tent stake first we got to rock out is that the tent stake on the table by the scone not I don't actually have the tent stake with me. But oh, we man. But we all know what it is. That's never happened before. I know. Well, I didn't bring in Colin's axe when we talked about that as a tent stake. <laughs> right, right. So, Disco, is, get ready, guys. He's going to get so angry when I uh, Are we doing, like, oc- you know, bottled oxygen again or no. a Ziploc pack? So, last week, I mentioned that you could use the arm of your sunglasses for a tent stake. No. Which you can. No. Um, no. This week, I'm going to suggest another dual purpose. This is in a pinch. This is if you're in a pinch. And you got to set up. It's raining. It's cold, and you've lost your tent, a tent stake, and there's no sticks to modify. You could use your anchor, your phone anchor. You your electronics. You, you put the anchor in a plastic bag so that no dirt gets into the port, 
And then you shove that in the ground and use it as a tent stake. Yes! I'm just, I turn off the music. <laughs> no? It, it, you know, it's really a shame because POD, of all my hiking partners, is really the best at getting up a tent in beautiful angles and all the guy lines are out perfectly. And this just makes me disrespect that whole breadth of knowledge that she has. She, I'm talking about in a pinch. In a pinch, you got you to make it work. By you got to adapt. That suggestion, you are disrespecting Trail Show Nation. <laughs> they are better than that. Do well, not put your anchors in the ground to Unless it's an tent. emergency, and if you don't use it, then you're going to get hypothermia and die. Then Please. you should stick your anchor in the ground. Please send all destroyed anchors to pod at thetrailshow.com. And I will recycle them at Best Buy. No, it's, it's pod at delo.net. That's where you send the hate mail to. Really? Anchors? Why not? <laughs> it would totally okay. work. Maybe a boat anchor. It's in a pinch, people. This isn't a pinch. you got to get creative. You oh have boy. to think of everything in your pack as expendable in an emergency situation. Next month, we'll have a real tent steak to review. That was a real tent steak. (laughs) All right, folks, this is the part of the show where we end the show. We want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Big thanks to Chris Gates for guesting in studio today. Come back and guest anytime. Thanks for coming up early. Uh, Big thanks to Trail Show 5th Chair, Liz Snorkel Thomas, for guesting with us today. And Dilo wanted me to personally thank you for ceasing and desisting the Ask a Hiker (laughs) column you were writing in Backpacker Magazine. So and thanks from Dila. Snorkel has moved up. She's now the she right now she's the third chair. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where are you, Dila? She's coming for your seat. Big big thanks goes to all our monthly PayPal donors and the slew of folks that recently <laughs> donated to get a trail show beverage koozie. It's raining koozies. You too will get thanks and praise and a fantastic hot off the press trail show koozie and two not one but two blood orange IPA stickers. For a $15 more donation at thetrailshow.com. <laughs> you can always find us at thetrailshow.com, on Twitter at Trail Show, on Instagram and Facebook on The Trail Show, on the Stitcher app, Google Play, and of course on iTunes. You can find us on Instagram. PUD is at Felicia L. Hermosillo. Good luck spelling that. Snorkel is at Liz Thomas Hiking. Kristen Gates is at Miles for Breakfast. And you can find me at The Trail Show because I'm typically the person doing our Insta posts. So. Another trail show has come and gone, but don't fret. We'll be back next month in Boulder, Colorado's historic beer district to record a show before the snow really starts to fly. Until then, for the Princess of Darkness, Snorkel, Chris and Gates, and D-Lo and Special 41 in Absentia, I'm Disco. Ciao. Never work. I'm going to use Disco's anchor as a tent stake. And then he's going to go hiking with other women. Because I'll start angry. <laughs> oh, gosh. When that happens, folks. Well, now, now that you've given me permission, I've got a couple of hiking Giving trips. Giving you I permission. Wanna... Give me a break. <laughs> How dare you? As a matter of fact, I've already scheduled a couple of hikes. I'm not Latino, okay? Latino? Latino. I don't uh, need to give you permission. Very good. Get permission from the wife. Please. From the wife. Get, get going, wife. is what I say. Get on, get out of here. You won't get any older, and you won't ever die. That's Anytime Wilford Brimley. Anytime Disco wants to leave for a hike, he is bienvenido. Yeah? Yep. All right. See I you love, later. Love I'm out. I love having the house to myself. I can turn the lights on at 5 a.m. Uh, I see what it's about. You can go to bed early and get up early. That's right. It's horrible. All right. That's a show. Thanks, Sunny guys. Up. What does the meat look like? What color is it? It was like, pale. 
You know, as an urban hiker, I really appreciate that the mad pooper has gone out and is pooping on people's yards. We, we don't have to fix it. We just have to not screw it up. Hello, Charles. <laughs> I see that the Gazette is good, it's big, it's successful. You're doing a hell of a job over there, Charles.